Hey guys, welcome to the Bark Side of the Moon podcast. Today's guest is the great Anne Rogers, trainer and behaviour professional, educator and the co-owner of Anyed. Anne is, in my opinion, one of the most knowledgeable people in the dog world. And so to have her join me today is the perfect way to kick off this show. In today's episode, we discuss separation-related behaviours, or more commonly known as separation anxiety. This is a big and very current topic to start things off, but a very important one, and one we know you've been asking for help on. So, we hope you enjoyed the show. Hey Anne, how's it going? Hi Graham, how are you? <laughs> Thanks for coming on, it's great. Not at all, anytime. Great to have you. We've been chatting about this for a while yeah. and I'll take the blame first. Yeah. Um, because oh, I blame you completely, 100%. <laughs> I've been thinking about how to do it and you know me now a long time yeah. and uh, I like to procrastinate and uh-huh. try and be the perfectionist and put out exactly what I want. Yeah. But sure, we don't really know a lot of the time and it's going to evolve. <laughs> but what we do know is what um, the people out there are, are looking for help on. Oh, yeah. And of course, it's a doggy related podcast. Mm-hmm. That's why the two of us are talking um, about it. And um, what's been coming up most recently, I suppose, is uh, things related to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And of course, because a lot of people have either adopted or bought or rescued a dog in recent years. And um, I suppose they've been kind of growing up and living in an, quite an unrealistic yeah. or maybe even an abnormal way in that they've never really been left alone right. up until this yeah. point and now with things fairly quickly opening up all of a sudden terrifying people going back to work maybe in, in offices workspaces or even now dealing with kind of less flexibility with their working hours yeah. from home yeah. it's ca- potentially causing problems you've also got potential of more holidays now as well with it, it being easier to travel yeah. more visitors to the house mm-hmm. maybe parties in the house mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff um, a lot of potential problems may arise from this and or may have already arisen so i, I suppose there's been um a lot of people, and you've heard similar to me, what people are looking for help with, yeah. um, and I suppose that's what we're here here to try and do. So, in, in the first few episodes, we'll we'll discuss a few topics within that kind of mm-hmm. pandemic umbrella, and um, I suppose to kick it off, we both agreed maybe the the most common question would be um, in relation to separation anxiety. So yeah. let's start with that and how to recognize it. Yeah. So, so we're starting with a big one because separation anxiety is a, is a big one. And, and um, it's not just common, you know, right now with the pandemic stuff and kind of re-entering into more real world stuff. Um, it's like one of the most common issues that we see um, that trainers and behavior professionals will see. Um, it's super duper common. So, you know, it, it doesn't mean that your dog is broken. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong um we're not here to to kind of blame anybody but but certainly it's it's one that's super duper common and we're going to see it and we're not just going to see it in all those new dogs like we were talking about Graham it's not just those new dogs that have come home in the last two years in the midst of you know this very unreal world where there are people around all the time but it's also going to affect dogs older dogs that you know were fine with separation and alone time maybe before uh, all lockdown and everything kicked Mm. off and now have experienced having everybody around all the time and now everybody's gone again and I think that yeah. can be just as difficult for those dogs as it can be for those younger dogs the dogs that came home um, during the pandemic so certainly the term 
separation anxiety is the one that everybody will recognize. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know me at this stage, I'm going to be a bit specific <laughs> about things. Yeah, and we, uh, in, we, we talk about separation related behaviors. And that's because not mm-hmm. all separation related stuff is, is, is actually anxiety related. So I suppose yeah. the more severe end of um, the issue then would be related to panic and anxiety. But we might mm-hmm. have varying levels from, you know, dog to dog and from situation to situation of dogs that are experiencing some level of distress. Um, we might even have some dogs that are bored when they're left alone, and that's why we see some of their behaviour. And we might even see some dogs mm-hmm. carry out behaviour when they're alone that they wouldn't be allowed to do if their people were there. So, you know, it's kind yeah. of separation fun rather than um, <laughs> everything else going on, you yeah. know. And But in general, we're con- most concerned about the dogs that are showing the more kind of severe end, the stress-related end yeah. of the scale, because those are dogs that might be experiencing, you know, serious um, emotional effects, serious effects of stress. And if we talk about the most severe and we talk about panic or anxiety, I mean, those are, you know, conditions that affect how the brain works. And they are very, very serious emotional conditions. And those dogs can really be suffering. Um, and we'll talk maybe about why that is a bit later on, but but certainly that can happen. Mm. So generally speaking, when we're most concerned about dogs that experience the higher level of the distressed end of, of things, okay? And those dogs, mm. might we might see excessive salivation. And so that means they're drooling a lot and the owner might mm. come home and there might be drool on the floor. And sometimes even owners can think that that's urine, like that the dog has peed. Yeah. And when you actually look at it, it's clear and it's kind of sticky. Um, mm-hmm. And the dog might have kind of if they're particularly if they're like beardy, like they have a kind of a beardy face, they might have, um, you know, you might see it in their beard around their yeah. chin or even a short haired dog might have a kind of a wet, a damp chin. And you might also see it in the insides of their front legs. So sometimes if they're like lying at the door, they can be drooling and it gets onto the inside of their front legs. So even a short haired dog, you can see that. Mm-hmm. So we might have excessive salivation. You might have inappropriate toileting. So a dog that's otherwise reliable yeah. toileting wise might have accidents. And you might even notice that their poo is a little bit looser if they do poop, for example. Mm-hmm. And that can be related to stress, obviously. We might have mm-hmm. some destructive behavior and we're particularly going to be interested in destructive behavior that centers around kind of exit or entrance points. So around doors or windows, for example, mm-hmm. particularly the door that maybe they saw their owner go out. Um, and so you might have, you know, evidence that the dog was chewing at the door frame, for example, or, um, you know, scraping with their front feet. And sometimes, you know, in really severe cases, we can come back to dogs who have, you know, kind of worn their nails. So like there's blood and also mm. so it's very dramatic um, yeah. and looks very kind of, you know, concerning. Very upsetting uh, for the person oh, coming home yeah, as well. Absolutely. Oh God, it's very distressing. If you come into blood, I mean you're freaking out because you don't know what's Straight gone away. on. Yeah, Panic. yeah, yeah, yeah. And your dog's already panicking. Everybody's so. <laughs> panicking at that stage. Yeah. Oh. So we might also see the dog pacing and kind of moving around a bit frantically, they might be panting a lot. And so that would, you know, mm-hmm. tie in with the salivation. They might look extra vigilant. So um and I'm saying they might look like this because one of the first things we, we do when we talk about these sorts of cases is we ask the owners to film their dog while they're they're out. and uh, so we might see the dogs looking extra vigilant and this could be because they're kind of listening for their owner's car or like you know they're listening for the outside door or something like that or they hear a noise they might hear a neighbor or you know something like that Mm. and they'll stop or listen or sometimes this panic and anxiety related behavior this distress related behavior can be triggered by external noises so fireworks Mm. for example yeah so you know we might um we might see the dog kind of stopping 
you know, and that stopping and listening for a sound and then moving mm-hmm. again. Yeah. The dog, you know, and it can go from kind of a lot of behavior that's kind of, you know, really stress related behavior right through to very little behavior. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they might not eat, they might not be motivated or interested in things that they normally would. So their owner might leave them with a treat or even might just leave them with a regular food and the dog won't eat it, doesn't eat it, you know, so it's still there when they come home or sometimes they might even have buried it, like they might have hidden it under their blanket or something. Mm. Or we might see dogs that are kind of withdrawn and appear de- depressed. So they're kind of lying down, they're very still. Mm. And that end of, you know, the less behavior end is actually very poorly investigated and um, most of the research on separation related behaviours have been based in owner surveys so owners might not actually think that there's a problem there if they see yeah. their dogs like that of course, and yeah. because they oh there he is he's just resting in his bed or he's still in his he's bed fine. right he's yeah. still in his bed where I left him kind of thing and then when we talk to the owner they might say well maybe he hasn't moved from his bed for a whole lot of time, or maybe he hasn't taken a drink in all that time he was alone, or like that he hasn't taken his food yeah. or, or those sorts of things. So he's kind of withdrawn. And those mm-hmm. dogs, we're, we're just as concerned about those dogs are we are as we are about the other dogs, and maybe even a little bit more. More. Yeah, yeah. because the other dogs are still trying to use their behavior to get the things they need to, to do. So um, yeah, those dogs are kind of trying to trying to find a solution to the problem. Whereas the other dog that's kind of withdrawn and um is very sad and 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 very quiet and not moving around a whole lot that dog is possibly experienced even a greater level of distress because mm-hmm. they just don't feel safe in the world now um, and aren't showing yeah. any sort of demonstrative behavior because they're worried, you know, they're so worried. Um, so yeah. like those would be the most severe ends of it. And not every dog that's experiencing this will will show all of those. No, and I'm sure there's people listening now that are going, oh God, yeah. is that my dog? Right, and I don't want people freaking out and going, oh my God, there was that one time two years ago when we came home and there was drool or, you know, or whatever the yeah, thing is. Exactly. Um, you know, but um, but but certainly one of the first things we'll suggest that you do is film your dog um, during an absence and uh, and then we can review the footage and see what exactly is going on, yeah. you know. Um, and, and you might have, like, you might have kind of vocalizing, you might have had neighbors reporting or saying, you know, you went out there and the dog barked for whatever length of time or we could hear him whining yeah. or howling or, or equally the, the other end of the scale they check with a neighbor and the neighbor says no i never right. hear him at all yeah. yeah yeah exactly exactly so like you know we then we we definitely want to investigate that more um by filming that dog then at that point you yeah, know it's really the only way isn't yeah. it so it's the best way anyway yeah, yeah. finding out what they're doing when you're not exactly, around exactly yeah. exactly exactly we can kind of remove ourselves and our influence from it and actually get a better idea then and also that means that you can talk talk to your trainer or talk to your behavior professional and you know show them the footage and uh, mm. and that way then you know everybody has clued in and they can probably point out things it's very difficult to be objective about your own dog so it's much easier yeah, if you have really somebody is. yeah it's much easier if you have somebody you know who can just look at it clean and 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 go okay well we're seeing some some things here that would indicate some distress you know um and and yeah. this is what we need to do then where we need to do something about it um at that yeah. point yeah exactly and because it's so fluid mm. from one thing to the next yeah. um, you really need a professional for these things to, to point to press pause and say this is why this is happening yeah. and now look what's happening next yeah. and it's literally every second something is maybe changing in those dogs particularly the, the more activated mm. ones the ones that are moving around mm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah and like you know there's i suppose because separation related behaviors are so common there's a lot of poor understanding there's a lot of myths i suppose and I, i'm sure you know yeah. 
we talk all the time about the sort of myths that are associated with dog behavior anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are a lot associated with this sort of stuff, but that just illustrates how common it is and how many pet owners struggle with it, how many dogs struggle with it. Um, And I suppose we we want to clear the myths so that people will seek help and seek the right sort of help um, and not feel that it's hopeless or not feel that it's something that they're doing, um, you know, really wrong Mm. that's causing this. um, And so that we can actually, you know, kind of wade through all of that rubbish and get to a point where we're actually going well these are the things we can do to help we don't need to worry about that stuff that these are the yeah. things that we can do to actually you know help there's always something you can do oh yeah yeah, yeah no doubt and i think that's one of the things that does come up about this sort of range of behaviors is is because i'm not going to say it's a straightforward one uh, because often no. particularly yeah <laughs> often particularly if the dog is you know bursting some bubbles now but often if the dog is particularly showing some of those more severe end of the scale behaviors this can definitely Mm -hmm. we can definitely be in for a bit of a journey (laughs) to getting this right yeah we're starting off with the with a bit of a doozy all right yeah Yeah. definitely but that isn't to say that there's no hope you know and that absolutely with the right plan in place we can make progress and the progress is super slow at the start Mm -hmm. but um you know, with the right support and with the right little tiny little sessions, uh, we can build and achieve big things, you know, and you'll look back in kind of three or four months time and go, wow, we're in a different, you know, it's a different dog. We're in a different place. Yeah. It does require that devotion and commitment at the very beginning. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important mm. to say now because um, we live in a world where everything is really quick. Yeah. We can get access to everything right now and we all want it right mm. now. And if we don't get it right now, it's not worth waiting for. Yeah. But in, in in this case, definitely it's, it's, it's worthwhile pointing out right now that it is going to be, it's going to take time and it's yeah. going to take effort. But it's totally worth it. Oh, because, it, it really is. Yeah. No, yeah. Really they need is. your help. Yeah. Oh, they do. And I think it'll give you such peace of mind as well. You know, mm. um, and and I definitely, you know, I'm in such admiration of pet owners who stick with it and get through to the other side of this because, you know, there's mm. there's there's a lot of kind of stuff we have to do at the beginning. Um, and there's a lot of stuff we have to get through at the beginning. But it, like it is such a massive achievement, you know, and we start mm. to share those little wins like, you know, we start to leave the dog for three and a half minutes and the dog is totally chilled and yeah. nobody else would understand how big a deal that is but we're like having a party over here because it's an amazing event and again we've got people listening going three and a half minutes yeah, oh my I god i need it's, three and a half hours yeah yeah yeah. it's saying you got to start somewhere right exactly but i promise you those tiny little increments as soon as we're, we start counting in minutes because we do start mm. in seconds as soon as we mm. do start counting in minutes it actually starts to go a little bit quicker at that point yeah um and providing you know like it, it, it's never linear the progress so it's you mm. know we take a few steps forward and we might have a a little kind of we might go back a little backs, bit and then we, we jump yeah because we're dealing with humans and we're dealing with dogs so we're you know yeah. we're not dealing with computers a lot of variables yeah exactly a lot of biological goo happening yeah. there <laughs> no, not a lot of automation so uh we definitely can can be a little bit like that so you know it's important that you have the support of a professional with you because they can really kind of keep you accountable and and keep you motivated when you're you know you're stuck in a doldrum a little bit yeah, and also anything that, difficult yeah, yeah and so we can Need adjust the program leader. yeah and we, you know we can adjust the program a little bit you know as needed as well so yeah so that can that can be really helpful to, to have some external help to do that um so people will th- will think you know that it's it's not kind of it's not fixable or curable and i'm kind of 
you know, slow to use that term because we don't fix dogs. They're not like your car. Mm. They're not broken. A dog that shows these behaviors isn't broken. They're not, there's nothing wrong with no. them. Um, but, but certainly this is something that we can see great progress with when we get going with it. And I mm. think, you know, a lot of the TV dog training shows, which we don't really like, uh, <laughs> will kind of um, promote things like, you know, increasing exercise, increasing obedience training, all of those sorts of things. And, you know, they're probably not going to have a massive impact here. They'll help in lots of other ways. And certainly that can be part of a program, but they're, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to have direct impacts on separation related stuff, particularly those dogs that are that are on the more distressed end of the scale. Um, you yeah. know, so and I think you know, it's really important to emphasize here that this isn't the pet owner's fault. No. So we don't we don't play the blame game anyway. So because no. there's no future in that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not because your dog, you know, is allowed on the sofa or whatever um, no. that your, your dog does this. Or it's I not. know I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. I know. People, I know. But people do, do believe that. that. Yeah. And they they because they've been told that. Yeah. By friends and absolutely. family. Absolutely. And a dog like a human. Absolutely. And wrong. Like that's it. And the thing is, is they will be told, "Oh, you spoil that dog," or people will yeah. say to me because I spoil him and I'm like mm. I promise you it's not because you spoil the dog spoil your dog oh. right cuddle mm. your dog spoil your dog all of those things part of it yeah. <laughs> um, enjoy yeah. you know enjoy your dog um, yeah. we, we, we still have to work on the stuff though um, yeah, of so you know and obviously terms like dominant will be used or that the dog mm-hmm. is sulking and I'll hear people with dogs who show that kind of real, real um, withdrawn kind of behaviour and just lie down and curl up and kind of you know go very quiet they'll say oh they're mm. sulking because I've left them alone and they're not sulking or mm. the dog that destroys something you know oh it's because you know they're being spiteful because I've left getting them alone back at they're you. getting back at me yeah people say mm-hmm. that a whole lot and know. you know um like dogs are much simpler creatures than humans that's why they're so yeah. nice to live with so that stuff <laughs> isn't really relevant uh, when we talk about dogs so you don't have to worry about your dog you know bitching behind you <laughs> your back or anything like that no. because you left oh, really you went them. out shopping <laughs> you know and that your dog is there uh, <laughs> i'll show her they're so forgiving <laughs> yeah of course yeah yeah absolutely um and then we were talking about just before we started recording we were talking about predisposition breed predisposition yeah. even um and a lot of people will say oh i have you know certain type of dog and they're prone to it and while that mm. might be the case we don't really have evidence for that yet um it's very very unclear as to whether there is a breed predisposition to separation related behaviors there probably are genetic effects and that's mm-hmm. because um there probably are genetic based stuff in relation to stress systems and those sorts of kind of anxiety related behaviors and how they're kind of programmed in the brain so you know okay. it might be more useful to look at related dogs for example if you know them right. uh, they might show uh, stress related behaviors or anxiety related behaviors in various contexts and that might give you more of a clue as to whether there's a predisposition there but it, i don't think we can narrow it down to to breed or type you know crossbreed or whatever um mm. i don't think and it could be dangerous yet. to do that really yeah well we don't want to kind of start labeling dogs and say oh well now that type of dog does you know is predisposed predisposed to this sort of condition we don't really Mm -hmm. want to start doing that Um, dog park chats mm, yeah no none of none of those none of those (laughs) listen to this podcast instead of doing that (laughs) that look everyone's trying their best and meaning well absolutely yeah yeah yeah. absolutely but yeah it's like chinese whispers you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) it starts to go around in circles and then everybody believes it because they've heard it so many times so um (laughs) you know which is what happens with a lot of the dog behavior stuff but you know it's probably we, we just don't have evidence for it yet i'm not saying that's not the case but we just we just don't know yet um i suppose and like um 
we often with these kind of so-called pandemic puppies, which I don't really like using that term because it's very derogatory, but dogs that came home during the pandemic, mm-hmm. they're considered young dogs now. Um, and yeah. dogs don't grow out of behaviors of concern. So no. if you're worried about your dog's behavior and you're thinking, oh, well, he's only six months or nine months or a year or whatever age uh, he or she is, they don't grow out of it. These behaviors typically get worse. Mm. Um, and as the dog matures, and the thing is, the more mature they are, the the more work it can be because they've had more practice at, you know, they've rehearsed this behavior more, they've done it more, so they're better at it. Um, mm. So, you know, if we can get these dogs before maturity, behavioral maturity, um, that's definitely going to make things easier. So we put a yeah. bit of pressure on you to seek help as early as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are no quick fixes. There are no quick fixes for any of the things we're going to talk about, but no. particularly for this one. So you will probably have had lots of stuff suggested to you. So things like, oh, we'll put them in a crate or get them a contour or all those sorts of things and Hmm. while they can certainly help in some ways if they're introduced properly um, they won't fix this they won't you know, just sort this. And a lot of people say, oh, well, I always leave the radio on for him or the TV on for him or whatever, whatever when I go out. But we have to be careful with those things because sometimes we'll do those specifically when we're leaving the dog. So the radio going on or, or that mm. kind of thing becomes a departure cue. So it becomes a signal, yeah. oh, flip. To predict something. Right, nice. yeah, yeah. And that's where we can have that anxiety. So anxiety is mm. that attempting to predict when the scary thing is about to happen mm. and not being able to do it. And then, you know, so they'll see the radio going on and they're like, oh, flip is, you know, is this about to happen? This might yeah this is all about she's going say. yeah oh, she's got her coat on I know. she doesn't have her runners on yeah she's got her keys oh, yeah geez. oh geez yeah and exactly <laughs> and then we have this kind of this lack of predictability which is very stressful it's very stressful yeah. for humans as well but for dogs too yeah um so you know I suppose clearing up the myths is important so that, Definitely. you know, we can clear the way and you can comfort your dog, comfort, comforting your dog if they're upset won't make that worse, but certainly reprimanding them won't make it better. Mm. So people will no. come home to, you know, a mess or whatever that the dog mm-hmm. has left for them and uh, and they might reprimand the dog they might scold the dog or tell the dog off or whatever um and you've probably seen those videos that people will talk about you know guilty dog videos there's a lot of memes yeah right there and, as well yeah the and, pictures you know mm-hmm. and the thing is is that those dogs are shown fear-related behavior and there's yeah. there's even been a little bit of research on this too um mm-hmm. and they they looked at a situation where they left the dog and they, the people made a mess so the dog didn't make a mess and the people left a mess there. And then when the owner returned, um, the dog acted the same way as if the dog had made the mess themselves. So it was more about the owner returning and the mood they were in than it was wow. actually um, the, 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 the behavior that they've done. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, these dogs are showing fear-related behavior and it's what we call appeasement mm-hmm. um, behavior. So they're actually apologizing because we've selectively bred dogs to be very apologetic. You know, yeah. so that's why when you stand on your dog's foot, they come over and apologize to you um, <laughs> because they're going, oh, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not having a fight now. We're all still friends, aren't we? We're all still friends. Mm. And I can see you're annoyed. And I don't, I don't know why, but let's, let's stay friends. Let's stay friends. And dogs are yeah, very, they're really amazing. Yeah. Mm. They're very enthusiastic about that. So, so <laughs> we definitely don't want to reprimand them. Um, no. But, you know, even but, though, again, we're not blaming, you, you understand no, why people absolutely. after a hard day and they're coming in arms full of shopping bags. Yes. And yes. And then have they to see up this that. first. Uh, yeah. So you can understand us, but. 
it's definitely not going to help. And that's the thing. None of this stuff is intuitive. We're kind mm. of programmed to believe that, and TV dog training has done this to us as well, that mm. we're programmed to believe that like understanding dogs is about, you know, something that you inherit or it's about some inherent energy or something like that, which is a total load of bull. I mm. mean, you and I and everybody else can learn the skills and develop the knowledge that's required to work with dogs. So this isn't something that you were, you know, you're born with or that you're, you know, supposed to have some sort of, you know, internal instinctive knowledge about none, not yeah. at all. So of course we'll all make mistakes. And I look back mm-hmm. on things I did with my dog. Like I look back oh, on God. training videos. I did with my dog 10 years ago and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh jeepers creepers. Yeah. Um, like it's terrible. They should be burned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, even, yeah, you know, yeah. and so, and that's exactly the best you knew so, at the time you were, yes, ta- you were doing absolutely. your best at the time. Exactly. You know, yeah, so. yeah, 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 exactly. So we're all learning and developing mm-hmm. skills as we go. So, you know, none of this is intuitive and none of that's you know going to come naturally to you so you'll have loads of mistakes but we're not here to blame you at all yeah um, about it yeah. i think is the important thing yeah so that's really cool to get a lot of those myths out of the way and there, and there are more obviously mm, they're just oh god um, we could go on for days yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, ones bring into mind that you st- it's still out there that people will say a lot of the time oh there's no point in training a puppy until they're about six months mm, old yeah and you're like holy oh, moly don't, no, wait that long. That. please don't wait yeah no get them get them while they're young and and, for sure. and deal with this i mean and actually we can do quite a lot of stuff with young dogs um you know in those first kind of four-ish months to prevent this uh separation related yeah. stuff developing prepare them better yes mm. yes and certainly prevent it becoming a massive issue so making yeah. it much easier things tend to go south in all of the aspects of dog behavior around adolescence and they start adolescence mm. from around five and a half months and that's you know podcast oh, jeepers. <laughs> i mean that's like that's we could do a university degree on on canine adolescence like we could be yeah. here that long um, we'll definitely do one though because that <laughs> yeah, is that yeah. is a, r- another really oh misunderstood thing yeah yeah oh my god yeah but definitely people tend to see separation related behaviors more in adolescence and it's not yeah. because it wasn't there before it's just no. that they're more demonstrative about everything so yeah they're better at it. expressing themselves yes, yes yeah. exactly and they're if they're destructive they're stronger so you actually see the effects yeah. of destruction way cl- more clearly you know because they're bigger teeth and bigger jaws and bi- mm-hmm. they're just stronger and more athletic at that stage as well so yeah so it's definitely it's probably been around for a while and you might not have been seeing it so again filming your dog is, is really really helpful then getting footage yeah. is really helpful there as well and getting started early as soon as we think there's a problem getting in there mm. early yeah yeah so i suppose the next thing to do is is to chat about maybe what triggers these reactions in in the dog and we mentioned some triggers obviously yeah. a, a little earlier in the podcast but um do you want to talk about maybe the most common kind of triggers well i suppose the first thing to understand is is that a dog feeling a little bit sad that they're not with their people is really very normal i mean you know dogs are social animals and we have selected them so that they've become totally reliant on humans and they're very in tune with humans and they become part of our family and we develop great friendships and even attachment relationships that even some research will equate to the attachment relationship between children and parents so you can imagine then that from an evolutionary point of view so from a point of view of survival social animals want to feel safe with their buddies and with their you know their safe bases which are our, our 
for dogs are often they're humans. So mm-hmm. when they're not there, it can su- the picture can suddenly look very, very scary for them. So it absolutely makes sense that they would feel a little bit sad um, and it would be considered completely normal. But I suppose the effect here is we want to look at, well, how much does this affect this dog's normal um, behavior? How much does it affect its normal health? How much, you know, how quickly do they recover if you leave mm-hmm. them and they come back? And it should be a little bit excited when you come back. That's completely normal. And that in yeah. itself is even a joke. I mean, you can leave your house for an hour or for 30 seconds to put the bins out <laughs> and you'll have the same welcome from your dog when you welcome, come back hopefully, in. Hopefully, anyway. Well, yeah, 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 but usually, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, and again, lovely, you know, another lovely reason why we love to live with them because they're so happy to see us all the time. All um, the time. All the time. All the time. Um, and uh, so, you know, so you know, how quickly can they recover after that? Does it have a massive impact on them um, over time? And then in those situations, we'd be concerned. So we've already said that it's super common. And for some dogs, you know, we can look at this behavior and we can see, well, maybe some of the behaviors they're doing is because they're trying to reunite with their person. So mm-hmm. we might say that about dogs that vocalize a whole lot or even dogs that escape. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what they're trying to do? Some dogs, though, they're just panicking. They're just panicking because now it's very unsafe. The world suddenly is very unsafe and insecure for them and they want to get you know what get away from that as much as they possibly can yeah. um so it becomes very distressing for them and we've also talked about some dogs that you know as soon as their owner's gone well now i can get into the bin and rip that all apart because if they're here and um, yes. that behavior is inhibited because they're going to tell me off or they're going to remove the bin or whatever so yeah. you know for some dogs it can be a little bit like woohoo she's gone yeah. <laughs> get the bin <laughs> get yeah. in there you know um but still there's danger of them swallowing something oh, listen. or Oh, listen, if dogs can do stuff to, you know, cause medical emergencies, they are right there. They're absolute eejits when it comes to their personal safety. Uh, And I I talk about this from personal experience, obviously, with my dog, uh, who will do whatever he can to, you know, cause me as much distress as possible in relation to his medical health. Um, Just keeping me on my toes. Um, Of course. Yes. And uh, so, you know, and one of the things that I think we forget to talk about is, is the dog worried about isolation, so being on their own, or is the dog worried about... separation from specific people or person so it might be that a dog is totally fine once there's somebody anybody in the Mm -hmm. house or they can access anybody uh, that they know that you know that somebody's there right Um, and then there are some dogs who you know even though maybe one person is working from home and they're there all day and the other person is going out to work and the dog is kind of withdrawn all day doesn't eat normally all day is absolutely inconsolable um, Mm -hmm. is very kind of sad about you know that other person even though the other person they live with the other adult for example that they live with is there you know the entire time and um, can you know get them engaged in kind of positive interactions and stuff like that so we need to know about that kind of uh, part of it as well because that can change what we need to do and can also change how easy or hard it is to work on so obviously a dog that's a little bit more um it can be comfortable if there's anybody there is a little bit easier uh, to deal with because we can, you know, we have backups if if that per- if, if people need to be away or go off. Um, whereas the dog yeah. is very worried about one individual not being there. That can be a little bit harder uh, for everybody because it all comes down to that individual. And that's a lot of pressure on that person, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. So and I would say that I've worked with quite a few cases of separation related behavior that actually started because the dog got spooked by noises like construction noises or particularly fireworks. So we mm. go back and we'll, you know, we'll conduct a history and we'll go back through all of the things that have gone on. And we look at, you know, when around the time did this did we start to notice this? And it might have been around Halloween, for example, or New Year's Eve or something like that. Mm. 
And, you know, here in Dublin, certainly in Ireland, um, Halloween, the you know, the fireworks and all mm. that start kind of, you know, and where you are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. the end of August kind of thing, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if the dog it had an experience any time around then, that could absolutely start it off, you know, because it convinces the dog. The dog thought they were unsafe when their people weren't there. And then that's absolutely convinced them that they were right, you know, yeah. that, you know, look what terrible stuff has happened uh, when you weren't yeah. th- when you weren't here. Uh, I was I was right to be worried. And yeah. of course, that can cause absolute panic response. And we would often see a lot of kind of destructive related behavior you know at the mm-hmm. doors and windows and stuff like that and, you know have had cases of dogs who've gone through gone out open, gone out windows and things like that you know and oh, really, yeah. yeah really injured from, themselves from like the second floor and stuff absolutely. yeah absolutely yeah yeah um and uh, obviously severe injuries then and that's mm. in that case and behavior emergencies you know um yeah. as well <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. you know so taking that history and having a good idea of what's gone on for for that dog and i would say one of the things that's really common if you get a new dog, like, uh, you know, you adopt a dog that's a little bit older. Um, so, you know, an adolescent dog or maybe he's a little bit older than that. Just that moving from one place to another yeah. because we've kind of that's pulled. Huge. Yeah, we've pulled the rug out from under them and they're mm-hmm. not as safe and secure now because they're going, oh, shit, like this is what happens now. You know, I just lose mm-hmm. it. Even if they've come from a crappy life um, mm-hmm. and you're, you've offered them a really great home. Um, and even if they didn't show separation related uh, behaviors prior, they can after that move so it's really important that you have some support in place when the dog first moves in mm. um after being adopted you know like, like an adult dog or, or an adolescent dog that can really mess with them and we might see it and then of course once it's established you see then we're kind of backtracking at that point and 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 trying to do this work then which can be quite challenging you know um yeah. so we want to just be aware that just that move from one place to another can be really hard for them it's and huge can, yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely something you would hear um with rescue dogs and yeah. people would say, God, this dog, I believe, came from living outdoors and mm. and now look what he has now. Yes. And, and he's still not happy. Like, yeah. I'm not sure what exactly to do here. And of mm. course, even though it was a crappy situation, um, it was still familiar. And that dog yeah. had found a way of surviving yes. um, in that scenario. Yeah. And and now, yes, we're, we, we've changed it and it's awesome, you yeah. know, to us yes. from the outside looking in. But for the dog, it still needs help um, yeah, to yeah. adjust to that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think a lot of people will think, oh, it's obviously because I'm spoiling him, you know, yeah. relative to his old life or relative to what's happened to him before. Or he maybe yeah. he was in kennels, for example, or something like that, oh, yeah. um, you know, and and that's why a person might believe, oh, it's because I'm spoiling him or, you know, he's got all this stuff. Uh, and of course, it's just the stress of the move. And I think I think that's really underestimated, um, mm-hmm. you know, within uh, even within the rescue community, the effects of that move. I mean, it can take them months and months and months to settle in and, yeah. and find their feet. And we, we need to have stuff in place to prevent it all going downhill. I think, you know, for those dogs, a lot of support is needed to keep them in their homes because we want this one now to be the one that they're there forever and ever, you know, yeah, don't want to have to put them through a move again um, mm. because that's the worst part for them in, in a lot of cases. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, what can people do, I suppose, to help their dogs who may be experiencing this? I suppose if they're listening to this now, they might not have thought, I suppose, that their dog was struggling and maybe right. now thinking, yeah. oh, geez, maybe they are. Yeah. So it might be useful for, for everyone maybe to, to film and then to, to know for sure, mm. you know, but yeah. 
if they know and they've they've taken the footage and they've had a look and maybe they either know or they're not quite sure, what can people do to help their dogs who may be experiencing this now? I think that's absolutely right. I think the first thing we need to do is we need some information. And sometimes, you know, your partner might be home during the day and tells you, God, like... Bobby or whatever the dog's name is, is, you know, just lying around and moping around all day. As soon as you mm-hmm. go, they whine after you leave that he won't eat his um, dinner. He won't even take his treat. He doesn't really want to come on a walk with me or whatever. So, you mm-hmm. know, or your roommate or, you know, kid or whoever is still at home might be able to say that to you. And in that situation, then, OK, well, we might have some some issues then in relation to the dog um, being left by you specifically. Um, and... Other than that, though, we still want to have some footage of that dog. So setting up old phones, using your computer, um, you know, there's, you know, you can buy very reasonably priced cameras now, pet cameras that you can uh, hook up um, and have um, in the the main living areas or, you know, the area that your dog has access to. So Mm -hmm. we get different. You know, even the angle. Old, old baby monitors and things yeah, like that. Absolutely. You could have something lying around. Yeah. Actually, and you don't even know it. about it. Exactly. It's yeah. in a box yeah, yeah, in the yeah. attic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gathering dust and it could be really yeah. useful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, you know, and we can we can gather that footage and I have I don't know how many hours of other people's dogs and homes footage on my computer, yeah. uh, which is probably why I have, I have so many technical uh, difficulties this evening. <laughs> it's probably all those hours of other people's dogs. Um, and that, yeah. And what, what we'll often do is, is with clients, for example, I often use WhatsApp and they will, we can even do it live where they'll leave their, their, um, their, their phone recording and we'll do sessions like that and they can oh, yeah, read and stuff like idea. that and then we mm. can talk about it when they come back and mm. um or you know you can just you can just film some footage and when people come and inquire um to me about you know uh wanting help with this sort of stuff the first thing i'll ask them to do is i'll ask them to get some footage and we'll talk about the best ways of doing that and how to set that up for their dog and i'll ask them to send it across before we do anything else because yeah. i want to know if that's what we're dealing with and, and what sort of stuff is happening so we have to gather some data basically and i yeah. I suppose if we're dealing with dogs that are experiencing the more severe end of the scale, there might already be evidence. So like that we've talked about the blood or the saliva or the, mm-hmm. you know, the destruction. There might already be evidence. And I might say to those people, well, you know what, let's not leave that dog alone again mm-hmm. um, because we kind of have enough information that stuff is yeah, happening. We already know. Yeah. So we might say, well, we'll do it a little bit later on. Let's see what other information we can gather first before putting them back into that situation. You might even have your neighbors complaining. So saying that the dog is whining or barking mm-hmm. or whimpering or whatever. Um, and they might, you know, depending on how sensitive your neighbor is or depending on how, you know, kind of tricky they can be, they might be very specific about when the dog vocalizes and when the dog stops and all these sorts of things. But actually, yeah. You know, that's useful data to have. That's useful information to yeah, have. Any extra information you can get yeah, is great. Yeah, and exactly. Even, I suppose even it's, it's awkward. It, yeah. <laughs> and I suppose it's worth mentioning um, uh, as well about when you get the footage just to pre-warn people that maybe haven't uh, or they don't know and they're, and they're looking back at this footage mm, um, yeah. themselves. It mm. can be quite upsetting and, yeah, and yeah. distressing when, they yeah. fo- that when the, the realization hits oh my God, I, I had my no idea yeah. and I feel terrible. Yeah. Um, so just to, to warn everybody that that could be the case. Hopefully yeah. not, but it could be the case. Well, you know, that often happens. And um, and then even when I have to go back with my feedback, you know, I'll often say, now, I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to think that you've done something yeah. wrong, but the dog is exhibiting these behaviors and that can suggest you know this but like and and people can definitely feel a little bit helpless about that and they'll definitely want to 
you know, can blame themselves and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we're moving forward now and we know this stuff now. That's such valuable information. And even if the dog is a little bit worried, well, you know what? We know now and there are steps that we can take. So as soon as that happens and we've gone through it and I'll want to, you know, I want to present the, the pet owner with, you know, really solid information and say, well, this is the amount of time this dog spends doing the you know pacing or at the door or you know whatever because I'll do that for myself so I have some idea um and I'm a nerd as well so I like to have graphs and things like that <laughs> and uh, bar charts and all the rest of it yeah. and um <laughs> um and so we'll say well okay you know if he's spending that much time doing you know vigilant and pacing that would definitely mm. indicate a higher level of distress that we're dealing with here and we yeah. you know and I want the pet owner to be able to recognize you know, what are the sorts of things they can see? And that in itself, just that kind of project can be um, not comforting for pet owners, but it gives them a little bit of control and you feel mm. a little bit more like you have some, you know, uh, information that you can use to actually move forward. And and so even that can, can be helpful, I suppose. And once we've done that and had that discussion, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to recommend they talk to their vet. and the reason for that is is if we are dealing with more severe ends of the scale anxiety and panic disorders are actually medical conditions so Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that the vet is on board and when we work through a program with uh, clients for example i work through that program i'm in constant contact with their vet and we're talking about what's going on and that the the dog is often going to be uh, receiving ongoing medical treatment at the same time we're doing behavior stuff Mm -hmm. Um, so the vet is going to become an integral part of what we do and there are several medications that are anxiolytic medications so anxiety reducing medications that work in relation to some of these behaviors and The problem that we have is oftentimes anxiolytic medication can have a bit of a bad reputation. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that it's easy or straightforward because it's not just like Mm -hmm. everything else we're talking about here with separation related behaviors. But the first thing we want to do is make sure that the dog is medically healthy. And, you know, um, we know that a large proportion of the dogs that come to see us in relation to behavior stuff um, are actually experiencing you know, quite complex chronic medical conditions, pain related mm-hmm. conditions, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a kind of a chicken and egg situation because which came first was this, did the pain cause the stress related behavior? Or did the stress related behavior lead to tension that led to pain? But mm-hmm. do you know what? It doesn't matter because here we are now. We want to make sure that that's under control um, yeah. and, and, and that's been dealt with and that's going to be the vet's job. And as well as that, we're going to talk to the vet about anxiolytic medication and i know there are a lot of over-the-counter remedies that are recommended for um you know pet stress and anxiety mm-hmm. and also they'll list all sorts of things and um, sprays and drops oh, and sprays and drops and plugins and collars and genie mm-hmm. mackers i mean there is a a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and pet owners are going to feel very overwhelmed by that but in my experience if it's over-the-counter it's probably not going to have a great benefit and benefits that might be seen maybe kind of placebo benefits. So the pet mm-hmm. owner believes that there's an improvement when actually there's no actual objective improvement in yeah. the dog's experience. So mm-hmm. where 
we have to be careful with calmatives because sometimes what can happen is, so for example, a person might be recommended um, a spray, for example, and mm-hmm. they use that when they're leaving their dog. And that becomes a thing that tells the dog, oh, I'm about to be left. So mm-hmm. we have to be really careful with these things because they might not actually reduce the anxiety and mm-hmm. actually might increase be it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they might actually become part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So I will tend to, where absolutely possible, I will tend to be having a conversation with the vet and the vet will be having a conversation with the pet owner about anxiolytic medication. And what Mm. these medications do is they work on the neurochemicals in the brain. And this is all getting very technical now. The neurochemicals (laughs) in the brain are sometimes called neurotransmitters. And what they do is they help send messages around the brain. And Mm. the messages are basically telling the brain to get really, really worried at the moment when this sort of stuff happens in this particular context, in this particular picture. The brain is telling the body, your life is in danger. And this is why we'll have this panic-related behavior in the dog. So we actually want to use medication that are actually like antidepressants for people and some of these are actual antidepressants that are mm-hmm. are used for people um, and we want to, to use medications that are going to basically work and making good neurochemicals, neurochemicals that make the uh, dog feel uh, less stressed, that mm-hmm. stop the panic, so stop the the, the kind of the chemical um, mix that causes the, the panic um, and can make the dog feel better, make the dog recover, help the dog recover better from distress and help the dog um, become more open to learning um, and all of these good things. So we want to use medications that help to do that. Now, there are all sorts of myths about medication use as well. And um, you might have a vet on uh, your podcast at some point and they can talk to you about that in more detail, maybe. Um, But certainly the things that we would tend to do is we would uh, be using medications and we bring them on from a very low dose and we'll, we'll, we'll use the lowest dose possible that's having a having a positive effect and mm-hmm. there might be a requirement for different medication because every di- individual is so different there might be a requirement for mixes of medications so it can mm-hmm. get a bit kind of complicated mm-hmm. and because separation related work tends to be long term so we're working for months rather than weeks and um, mm-hmm. the medication will be in place for months rather than weeks and possibly longer where this is something that helps this dog over a longer period of time but yeah. i would certainly suggest that medication is absolutely not the last resort and really what it's actually going to do in the right situation when applied correctly it's actually going to make this journey through the separation related work and the program that we're going to put in place so much more straightforward for the dog so much more straightforward for the 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 people um and much more straightforward for the professional as well um so we're we're all winning um and just in the same way we wouldn't argue about using antibiotics if the dog had an infection or pain uh, relievers if the dog was in pain we don't um argue about using medication in relation to behavioral emergencies um if if we think that we can help that dog and improve that dog's welfare which is the most important thing so that's the next thing we'll be doing is once we've looked at the footage or we've discussed the case with the pet owners i'll be sending them back to their vet and then we'll be you know having a having a chat about that um i guess that kind of goes for any kind of sudden change in behavior do you know what it goes for all of them yeah even if if it's come on slowly yeah yeah and see, is there something underlying? Because like you mm. said earlier on, so often it's it's underlying pain or discomfort yeah. or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. And it can be historic as well. So there can be, mm. you know, that can be part of the initiating factors for this this behavioral response from the dogs. They had ear infection or whatever uh, yeah. early on. And even though we've come through that and we've sorted the, the pain that was caused 
you know, with the ear infection or whatever, um, the behavior remains uh, because that's become associated and triggered by, uh, associated with environmental factors. So even yeah. though the dog might not be in pain anymore, uh, which is good, uh, <laughs> at least one box ticked, uh, we might still see um, the behavior. Uh, sure. So yeah, so just to, just to complicate things, behavior is yeah. never straightforward. <laughs> so no. much easier if it was for everybody. Yeah, but and, and this is all just showing everybody that every situation, every dog, every owner, it's mm. all different. Yeah. And so there's no one yeah, approach. I'd, I'd love to be able to say this is the five step approach to beating I this, know. and it would be so much easier. And I'd be out of a job, but it would be so much easier. There'd be a lot of yeah. happier dogs and well, their people. I don't know because you may <laughs> may have come up with a book, and right. then you certainly wouldn't be on this podcast. Uh, you, you, I, I wouldn't. Be, I, I wouldn't touring. get you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I'll always remember you, Graham. Even when oh, I'm the big time, I'll I'll come back. Don't worry. Awesome. <laughs> I'm just writing this down. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. Put it, put it in the contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so but i mean if we're if we're not dealing with that severe thing what we want to work out and we can work this out from our footage is we want to work out well what is the point at which the dog becomes distressed so maybe the dog you know is initially a little bit worried when their owner first goes and they hear the car going or they hear the external door being locked or something like that. Um, and they're a little bit upset then. And then they're actually able to go, oh, right, OK, they're gone now. They're not coming mm-hmm. back, so I'll be able to get on my life. And then we would work with, with that. It might be a thing that the dog is actually fine if the owner goes out to their car for a minute and a half and comes back in. So we'll start there and we'll build mm-hmm. and build and build. And basically what we want to do is we want to start at the point where the dog is comfortable. Yeah. Because every time we have to leave that dog, they become distressed. We're just causing that dog to associate that distress with being left alone more and more and more so Mm. let's nip it in the bud now and that's what can make this work hard is because we want to try and find a way where we aren't leaving the dog alone and that's that's why it can be kind of you know a bit complicated but like you know throughout the the pandemic for example throughout lockdown i was advising pet owners just to leave their dogs as often as possible Mm. um you know even if they were they they weren't allowed to go 2k from their house they weren't going anywhere because everyone was closed and we couldn't go anywhere so i was saying to people you know sit in your car around the corner and read a book you know just so that we do that just so that the dog you know it's very strange and your neighbors will think you're weird but um just (laughs) so that we're keeping yeah who cares cares? Uh, just so that we're, we're at least doing you know some normality and not just the mm. pandemic one of the really interesting things um that i see a lot is because i work with a lot of um child and dog cases and mm. when i work with baby prep one of the things that often happens with um mums new mums or well they could be experienced ones but new mums going on maternity leave is that the dog is there with their owner for months and months and months and it's a very intense experience because you know mom and baby is there and and uh, they're doing a lot of stuff together and the dog is there and and uh, and all those sorts of things and those dogs, even though they were totally fine before uh, maternity leave uh, and indeed paternity leave as well. So dad could be around as well for a period of time. So it kind of makes, you know, makes it hard, hard going for the dog because everybody's there. And then everybody has to go back to normal. And the dog is like, whoa, wait a minute. So, we, we, there, yeah. yeah, so we actually see mini versions of the pandemic effects, the lockdown effects on dogs in relation to those sorts of things as well. Mm. Um, so that happens too. So if you're um, expecting or going to be expecting well that's something to consider also from a preventative point of view even if your dog's totally fine and comfortable you know relatively comfortable with being left alone now after maternity leave or paternity leave or whatever the the way the caregivers are going to work um then you know there can be problems with those dogs as well and we want to prevent yeah, them as well for sure for those dogs <clears throat> as well yeah okay 
Um, well, we've obviously gotten gone through a, a lot a there. So yes. I suppose in in the end, I suppose what do what do people do if they're again like if they're not a hundred percent sure, or if yeah. they are sure and they've got the footage, yeah. what do they do now? Get help. Mm. Um, like I have absolutely no problem, no uh, you know obligation or anything like that. You can we can have a conversation about it. You can just send an email and I'll ask you for your footage. We'll have a look at the footage. There's no obligation to hire me whatsoever. That's not what I'm going to be pushing. Mm. Um, but we can have a look at the footage and we can say right, well, this is something that you you know we need to be acting on. Mm. Um, and obviously one of the first things I'm going to be do is 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 advising that you go and talk to your dog's vet. So that's going to be happening. And really, that the important thing is that you get help and you get the right yeah. help and not every trainer or behavior pro wants to work with separation related behaviors because it can no, be a, you know an arduous thing and that's totally mm-hmm. fine so if they would rather do other things that's totally fine um and i mean you know i have in the past and i'm very very busy i i will have referred out separation related cases because i'm like oh god i know they require a lot of support and i'm not mm-hmm. in a position to do that yeah. um so that will absolutely be okay and i will take on separation related behaviors when i know i have the time that I'm going to be able to give to these people because generally what we start with is we start with about three to five maybe even six weeks of doing sessions every day Mm. and we try to do sessions uh, once a day um, and whatever point we're at so that might be that your dog is relaxing lying in their bed and you're able to stand up and go to the door and then sit back down again that might be where we start that's sometimes where we start mm, and doesn't we do, sound like a lot but doesn't sound like a lot but if that we want that dog remaining relaxed you know it's a huge deal mm-hmm. and uh, and then we build through that so we're literally doing that every day and the reason we do every day and I have them send me their whatsapp footage or we do it live is to keep them motivated and to keep them accountable and mm. you know because sometimes when you feel jesus we're stuck on 30 seconds now for a while like you know what what's going on um, i feel like giving up yeah, yeah of course um and that's completely understandable and i'll be there beating you with a stick basically so that you don't <laughs> give up no not at all no no i'll be talking you into talking you up and you know what we might go okay well this is obviously not working for everybody so yeah, not only is else. yeah not only is the dog's behavior information but the pet owner's behavior information so we might have They're to right yeah. um so we might have to look at our program and adjust it and and see what where where we're going right you know where we're going wrong or where it's not working as as well as we hoped and and look at changing that a little bit so it's a little bit intense for those first kind of couple of months um mm. and i'll i'll be on that pet owner you know quite a bit they'll be sick of the sight of me uh, <laughs> um and my whatsapp feed is just full of like that other do- other people's living rooms basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if anybody found my phone it would look very strange i would look like a very weird stalker <laughs> of dogs <laughs> um, because all it is is people leaving the dog and then people coming back. And that's what yeah. my WhatsApp feed is full of <laughs> videos like that. So, yeah, so that's that's what we'll be doing. But I would encourage you to get help. We won't blame you. We won't give out to you. We won't tell you you've made mistakes. Even if you've made mistakes, everybody makes mistakes. Um, and we've all done it. Um, and we will get cracking to work straight really really urgently because we want to to get started on this as quickly as we possibly can but that's what it is it's about breaking it down into tiny little slices um Mm. to help that dog be relaxed uh, and and help them start to associate feeling relaxed with uh your absence basically so that's where we'll be going um and we'll be with you every step of the way (laughs) awesome making it as easy as possible for the humans and and the doggy yeah Yeah. trying to anyway trying to (laughs) yeah Yeah, even though it's challenging 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I'll do is um, I'll have information in the in the show notes. Obviously, you um, and and your website annieeds.ie is yeah. a great resource. There's um, not just yourself, but many other um, yeah, trainers, trainers that are, that are yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. there's there's lots lots of people to help, guys. Yeah, loads of options. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll put all of those in the show notes. Um, but um, this has been awesome, and yeah, cool. I know it's been it's been a big subject to talk about, but an yes. important one. Yeah, it's huge. Sorry. Like we were discussing before. No, no. Like we were discussing before. Um, it's as common as people will bring this up. Uh, um, oh, yeah. As common as you will hear aggression, yeah. uh, aggressive, all of that kind of stuff. So it's that it, it is that um, common. It's yeah. really super common. Really super duper. And common, not yeah. just in the last two years. Like no. you said, it's it's something that's ongoing all the time. So yeah, yeah. So hopefully people will be able to digest that. Mm. Yeah, taking loads of notes and and, and listening back <laughs> over it, I'm sure. But um, thanks so much, and no, uh, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you today. And we'll be back to discuss related topics yeah, in future episodes stuff. too. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Cool. Thanks, thanks a million, a million Graham. All right, Thank talk you. to you again soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks so much for listening today, guys. And I really hope you found the information helpful. Anne will be joining me again very soon to discuss more of the topics you've been asking for on social media recently, such as helping your dog with car travel, help with how your dog reacts to visitors to your home, and how to help your dog be more settled at home while you work from home. So please, if you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review, recommend it to your friends and family to help us reach and help more people and dogs. Also, please give us a follow on Twitter at BarksidePod to help grow our online community. If there are topics you would like to hear us cover in future episodes, please do share those with us on social media or simply mail us at barksidepod at gmail.com and we'll do our best to cover those as soon as possible. Look after yourselves and your doggies. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to seeing you here again very, very soon.